This is Pastor Flosser, and you're getting ready to listen to the preached Word of God taken directly from one of our services at Faith and Truth Assembly in Thomasville, Pennsylvania. We hope it is a blessing to you, and if you could take some time and just go over to the Contact Us tab on this website and send us a little message. Let us know if there's any questions we can answer, any prayer requests we can bring before the Lord on your behalf. We want to help you in any way we can. God bless you and enjoy the word. 2 Corinthians 13.1 says, This is the third time I am coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. I told you before and I foretell you that as if I were present the second time and being absent now, I write to them which heretofore have sinned, and to all other that if I come again, I will not spare. Since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you word is not weak, but is mighty in you, for though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God, for we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Verse 5 says, Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates, but I trust that ye shall know that we are not reprobates. And I want to drop down a little bit to save some time. Verse 10 says, Therefore I write these things being absent, Lest being present, I should use sharpness according to the power which the Lord hath given me to edification and not to destruction. God bless you. You can be seated. We're going to look at this verse 5 here in a moment. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church again. This is his second epistle, his second letter that he's writing. He's in prison now. He's writing to this church that he founded, that he started. And I'm sure a lot of us understand that this church had its own special dynamic. It was not Ephesus. It was not uh, Thessalonica. God was dealing with them and where they were at that time. And where they were was not a good place. They were carnal. They were worldly. They were immature. Paul wrote to them and said, you are still babies, and you, uh, you ought to be uh, teachers, and, and I have to give you the milk. And, and they, were, they were at each other's throats. They were, uh, they, they were trying to look spiritual, but they had no real depth. And their immaturity caused them to kind of boast and brag against one another, caused little splits and divisions, and uh, that's just... You know why that's immature? Because it's selfish. When you start looking at your own agenda and not God's cause. Amen. That's a lot of what's going on. And we see the book of 1 Corinthians where Paul is dealing with a lot of their, their childish behavior, that spiritual immaturity. He's dealing with uh, a lot of doctrinal questions that they have. And then you come to 2 Corinthians and you still have more of the same. I, I wish that uh, we could work through 1 Corinthians, come to 2 Corinthians and say, Paul just comes back and says, wow, you guys are so great and you got everything taken care of. They got a lot taken care of, but they didn't get it all taken care of. And what's happening right now in these verses, just to kind of sum it up, is that, uh, you know, they're still kind of fighting against him. In a lot of the first letter that he wrote, they don't have confidence in him, even though he founded the church. They're questioning him, questioning his authority, questioning his calling, questioning how he is doing the things that he is doing and wondering why he's doing things different over at this church and not for them. And he's saying, well, I wish I could do it the same way, but, but you're not there yet. It's not a double-mindedness. It's just addressing what is the need at that time. And 
there's a lot here that deals with his authority and, and how he's just being kind and he's being gentle with them. And they're saying, you know, we need somebody that's got power and authority. And he said, you want power and authority? If you don't get it straight, I'm going to come and I'm not going to spare it all. And I'm going to use that authority and be sharp with you, but not to destroy you and prove a point. I'm doing it to edify you and help you. But he said, you don't understand. I want uh, it, it's never my desire to come with that sharpness and that that uh, that that pushing forth of of authority. But but uh, I, if you if you keep doing what you're doing, I'm going to have to. But in all this, as they are questioning him and and looking at him and saying, you know, is this uh, is this really God's call, God's anointing, God's position for Paul? He turns it around on them, which I think is appropriate. And, and really, I, don't, I want to say this. I don't think it's ever a problem to, to question or, or, you know, think about these things. But first things first, he says, examine yourself. The sad thing is there's a lot of folks that rise up against um, the ministry. And, 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 but they're not looking at their own life and saying, wow, you know what, first, I'm not anywhere close to God as I should be. And I need to let God deal with me. And you can be a help to the ministry. Can I tell you, the ministry needs help. The ministry needs your help and your strength. And, and, and you will sharpen the pulpit. You'll sharp, you can sharpen your pastor with your, with your hunger and your desire for better and more. Amen. But it oughtn't get us at odds. And Paul says, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. And know you not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. That word reprobates is a strong word. It means morally worthless, unapproved, or rejected. Someone that, that uh, does not, they're, they're not hitting the mark. They, they may feel like they're, they're doing well, but, but they're not what they ought to be. They've missed the mark completely, and they're morally worthless, really. And Paul says, you know what, you need to examine yourselves. Make sure you're in the faith and not worthless in the kingdom of God. I want to look at this idea of self-examination just for a little while. Because it is something I feel like we all do, but it's something that we don't realize how important it is. It is so easy. I understand. I'm in the same battle you're in. I'm in the same world you're in. And it's easy to get focused outward and look at this day and this age and this church and these people and everything that is going wrong. And how many know there's a lot to see when you're looking for going wrong in this last day? Sure. And it's easy to do what these Corinthians are doing, these people in Corinth. And it's easy to look and get focused on things that really we cannot help, hello, or it's not even our business to help, and we forget that we need to be getting closer to God. We need to look at our own hearts, our motives, our intentions. We need to be pure. How important is it to get to heaven? Hello? Is there anything more important than getting to heaven? What would it profit you to gain the whole world and lose your soul? So if this is the most important thing, don't you think the devil's going to distract you? So examining yourself is something that is the utmost importance to recognize what's in your heart. To be honest with yourself and say, here's where I am. But let me tell you something. It's not because you're a horrible person. It's not because you have some kind of defect. We all have a terrible time doing it. We have a lot against us when we try to examine ourselves. Do we understand how important it is? Do you understand? Hey, we've got to be right with God. We cannot be lost. So I've got to be honest and be realistic with myself. But that's so hard because we like us too much. You know, we give ourselves every benefit of the doubt. We, it is difficult for us to be honest with ourselves about ourselves. We talked about this a little bit over the... Uh, I think it was Wednesday night, how in, uh, in a Jewish court of law, that's why Paul says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, one thing is you couldn't just slander somebody 
like today maybe on a on a, a, a tweet or on some type of, of uh, uh, social media, uh, throw something out there and say, hey, this person is this and this and that, and, and everybody says, man, guilty as charged, hang them. And uh, you couldn't do that because there was an idea of righteous justice. And there had to be the mouth of two or three witnesses. Amen. There had to be something established by that. Well, also in the idea of righteous judgment, it it, it was not worth anything really to testify of yourself. Your own testimony to stand up in a court of law. See, the idea, remember when Jesus was was brought before Pilate, they were examining him. That That was a courtroom kind of terminology. They were going to, to, to cause him to, they were going to bring witnesses against him and say, what did he say? What did he do? And remember, they could not find, as they examined him, two or three witnesses that would agree. So the idea of, well, did you say it? No, I didn't say it. If you said it, you're guilty. We're going we're gonna to hang you. Nope, didn't say it. Okay, case dismissed. That's not justice. You have to have witnesses that will corroborate your testimony. And witnessing about yourself doesn't really carry a whole lot of weight. If we're looking for a character witness, somebody say, what are they like? Are they trustworthy? Are they, uh, are, are they shady and shifty? Uh, 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 what do you think is, and, and you say, I can testify I, on my own behalf. I'm a really good guy. I would never do anything like that. Come on, you don't know me. That really doesn't carry a lot of weight. But when you get somebody else, you know, even when we have like uh, job applications, people say, uh, can I put you on uh, as a reference? Because, you know, if they want to say, hey, do you show up for work? Yeah, I've done that. I've been in that chair before now that I think of it. I've been the one hiring. And they're like, oh, yeah, what, what, tell me a little bit about yourself. I'm a hard worker. I'm always at work. Do you ever call in much? No, 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 not at all. You ever miss a lot? No, I don't miss work. Are you late? No, never late. You'd be surprised how many of them don't even make it to their first day. And you go back and look at it. They said so many great things about themselves. They never missed. This is the first time they ever missed work, and it was the first day of a new job. I know it was the first day they ever missed work because they told me they never miss work. But we tend to do something similar to that. We have a hard time admitting our faults. We are really good at admitting, admitting other people's faults because that kind of gets the the, the light, the spotlight off of us, you know, pointing the finger. But we have a difficult time admitting our own weakness. Um, the book of Luke, the 16th chapter, talks about some religious folks in the, that day. And um, Jesus is talking to them. He is the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? And he said unto them, Luke sixteen fifteen, Ye... Are they which justify yourselves before men? I can explain. I can tell you what happened. It's not what you think. It's not what you see. There are misunderstandings every day. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, whether it is a righteous court of law or it is uh, standing before Almighty God, your deeds are not going to be justified by excuses. What you did, what you didn't do, what you omitted, matters. There's nothing that you can stand up to God and say, yeah, but here's my excuse. It was because of the devil. God's got a help for you that the devil can't stop. It was because of people. We're going to deal with that maybe Wednesday how people can play such a part in, in, in the challenges of life. But people can't stop what God wants to do if you'll let God work. See, God gives you all the equipment you need, all the armor and all the arms that you need to fight the battle. And, and if you're not putting on the whole armor and doing everything you can do, your actions will, will follow suit and you'll be weak. So the Bible says about these religious folks, they are justifying themselves before men but God knoweth your hearts there's a verse that's been taken out of context and abused probably more than any but the bottom line is the Lord is looking at folks that 
are trying to justify their actions before men. And the Lord says, God knows what's really in your heart. We tend to justify ourselves. I, 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 didn't, I didn't hit the mark. I didn't do well. I failed. And we are so, so, it's just so difficult for us to say, yeah, I messed up. I, I, I didn't try hard enough. No, no, it's, it's that, that woman you gave me. It's that serpent that, that tempted me. It's the devil that made me do it, right? We don't want to say, I, I, I could have stepped up and been stronger. I could have, I, I could have said no to sin. I could have had courage. I, if I would have prayed more, I, I would have had the strength to, to stand up and, and be what God wanted me to be. We don't like to take responsibility for our own actions, but it rests on us alone. Absolutely, it rests on us alone. It said, God knows your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. Proverbs, the 20th chapter. Proverbs 20, verse 6. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. But a faithful man, who can find? I thank God for, uh, for all the help that's in this house today. Thank God for people. I say it regularly through just about every service. Thank you for your faithfulness, for all you do to, to be generous, to, to labor, to help keep things clean, to help keep things updated, to, to, to reach out and do everything that makes church what it ought to be. Amen. That takes labor. That takes, takes work. But over the years, I could not begin to count. Some of you know, and I mention this sometimes in, in, in preaching, but every now and then we'll have somebody stand up and testify uh, like I'm about to talk about. But other times I just get a phone call or after church, you get people that, that just start out and they begin to say, oh, I'll tell you what. Oh, I'm ready to get in here. This is so awesome. I love what I feel. I love what I'm hearing. I love this truth. I want to. I want to start working. I want to start doing some things. I had somebody here a few weeks back text me and say, "I, I really want to help." Uh, they said, uh, "What are you doing right now?" And I said, "Well, you know, just kind of helping out with some of the yard work." And they said, "Oh, I love." This is somebody doesn't come to church. I love to do yard work. I'd love to help that. I love to uh, to 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 be a part of of doing some of that. And and I said, well, we can use the help and we can always use another hand. Just let me know. And I said, I think I just did. And I got a LOL. And that was the end of the discussion. Not when do I when can I start? What day do we do it? What what do you need? Just a LOL. Last time I checked, I think that means laugh out loud. So, they laughed out loud, I suppose. That was the end of that. How many people have got up and said, I wanna, I, I wanna, I'm going to be here every service. I'm going to do... You know who does it? The people that don't talk about it and just do it. That's what this Bible verse says, Proverbs 20. Most men proclaim everyone his own goodness. They testify on their own behalf. I'm a hard worker. I'll be there early. I'll do everything I can do. Oh, I'm just, I just want to give and do and bless and... And other people just give and do and bless. They don't have to make a big deal about it. Uh, somebody uh, talked to a preacher recently. He said, I just, uh, I, I just this, and I just want to do this, and I'm not trying to do this. And I said, you don't have to say all that. Just do it. It's suspect to me when you have to profess everything you're, you, you, you don't mean to do. Just go ahead and do it and don't do what you shouldn't do. And everybody will know, hey, they're doing right and they're not doing wrong because you're doing it, not talking about it. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. But somebody who's faithful, that's what really matters. You don't have to blow a trumpet before you like the Pharisees and, and, and make a big deal about it. Just do something for God. Amen. But see, when we look at ourselves, we examine ourselves, we're more worried about reputation and honor that men give rather than just being being a Christian, being faithful, being reliable, trustworthy, being having integrity. Amen. What really counts is who you are when nobody's looking. What really counts is is not what you can put on to to 
provoke or evoke uh, 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 some kind of honor from people, what you put out there in, uh, in this world and say, look at me. But what are you when nobody else is seeing? Amen. When all the filters are off. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 18, verse 17. He that is first in his own cause seemeth just. Again, we're in this idea that we all have this battle. Hear me now. Sometimes I'm really getting down into some examples that, that, that seem extreme, but the truth is we all have this battle when we want to examine ourselves. When we're first in our own cause... We always seem just, but a neighbor cometh and searcheth him out. This is why there's importance in community, importance in a body, importance in having a church. People say, it doesn't matter. You know, I've got all these people looking at me and judging me. Well, you know, we preach a lot against judgmentalism. But what you are will shine when you're around. What people think about you does matter. It matters a lot more than what you tell me about yourself. Well, I've got all these reasons I'm not faithful. I have all this on me. That's why I don't live for God. You don't live for God because you're not close to God. It's not, well, I don't want to live for God because everybody's looking at me and what they think. No, no, no. That's not why you do it ever. But people will know if you're real or not. And that kind of accountability that says, no, you're not as faithful as you are, think you are. No, you're not as, as walking as straight as you think you are. That, that weighs on people that are starting to go astray. They feel that kind of pressure, but that pressure's good. To be a part of a team and recognize that we're relying on you and you're relying on us. And when you start slacking, that matters. That, that's not judgmentalism. That's conviction. You need to welcome that. Really. When you start going towards destruction, you need to welcome that. You need to thank God for the word that will bring you to an altar and, and, and get off that path that you've been justifying for so long and say, you know what, I'm not what I need to be. I see that and that's helpful to me. You should welcome that kind of, that kind of correction that comes with love. It's not childish, you know. You outgrow spankings, you outgrow corporal punishment, but you don't outgrow the understanding that there's people, friends, family, the word, the church, a pastor that cares enough for you that will somehow try to lovingly say, hey, you need to look at this. This is dangerous. We talked about it, that, that path towards the goal, that path towards the mark. Wisdom's going to cry out to you. Be wise. I've, I've seen people, I've talked to people that have just really, really just been blunt about it. They, they just know that they're being foolish. Don't be foolish. I don't know how many times over the years I've told people, don't excuse foolishness. You don't need to be foolish. You don't need to be uh, stupid. Be wise. Do something that's going to take you farther and do better in your life. Don't, don't take steps back away from the goodness of God. Someone that cares about you. We're getting somewhere. Someone that cares about you, they can help you in so much. That's why church is so important. Because the word comes forth, anointed of God, the people around you, family, loved ones, praying for you. They can help you see what you are having a trouble seeing yourself. I know in this day it's very difficult to find an open door to say, hey, I need to talk to you. This is difficult. And so many times where you thought you had that open door, people reject you and hate you for it. But listen to me. It's so important. Someone that's going to love you will tell you the truth. And they're going to see things in that love, in that care, that maybe you don't want to see yourself, but it's going to help you. So I want to look at this at another angle. Because as we understand the value of preaching, we understand the value of godly help and counsel that can and help you reach your goals. But you say, I'm not going to do it for them. Don't do it for them. Understand your friends are there to help you do it for you the best way you can. If you've got somebody around you who's dragging you down and pulling you away from the mark, that's not a friend. You remember the Bible says Amnon had a friend. One of David, David's sons was was messed up his head was he was he was looking at a relationship that was not 
right. It was not good for him, but he had a friend. And if, if there were air quotes in the Bible, there'd be air quotes around friend. Because this friend gives him counsel. Get what you want. Not, this isn't best for you. No, there's going to, God's got a best for you. God's got a will for you. If he was really a friend, he would have helped him bring out the best in him. A friend will do that. A friend will tell you the truth, but that you maybe are having a hard time seeing yourself. You know it's there, but you're trying to push it away. But a friend will say, no, no, no. This is what's best. That's why preaching and anointing the Holy Ghost is trying to help you. It's sometimes sharp. It's sometimes difficult to hear. But you know in your heart. I've had people for 20 years at times just, just fight and get angry and upset and say, that's not it. And then, then come to a hard place and say, I've always known that was wrong. I just didn't want to admit it. You know what's wrong. God's dealing with Wisdom is crying out. But you've got to allow that outside influence to help you. But sometimes we still need to examine ourselves. Okay? So we're getting back to this. We're going to look at it a different way now. We have a hard time examining ourselves. We have a hard time being honest with ourselves. Yet we, the Bible tells us to examine ourselves, right? So we recognize its challenges and we realize that in examining ourselves, we need that kind of looking from the outside in. So many times what I try to do when I'm helping somebody just get on the right path and make better decisions... I try to get their minds to step out of themselves. Because what I believe is going on in this room, that every one of us, if there was somebody who needed your help, I don't think there's anybody here right now that I don't believe you could sit down with them and in a loving way say, here's, I'm praying for you. Here's, here's what you can do to take a step in the right direction. There's wisdom here. There's people here that have been filled with the Holy Ghost for a long time. And you've learned some things. It's just really hard for you to take those into yourself and apply them. But if you had an opportunity, remember we were talking about it Wednesday night, about a child, how they are known by their actions, by their deeds, whether they're good or bad. You know how to talk to somebody who's weak. You know how to talk to somebody who's struggling. You know how to encourage them, but help them make wise choices and say, now, do you think that's really what's best? What about this? I believe there's so many in this house. I've heard testimonies, people on your job, people in your family, struggling, friends in church even that going through battles. And you've given them wisdom. You've given them good advice. You, you don't beat them down. But you don't lie to them and tell them, Oh, no, 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 don't worry about that. It's Everything's fine. You're doing great. You know how to say, I'll pray with you. I'll help you. You know what's best. I'm going to get behind what's best for you and, and help you stay away from what's pulling you away and tearing you down. Every child of God in here could do something like that. And what we need to do, and many times I try to get people thinking about that, we need to become that friend, step outside of ourselves, and look at ourselves as we... The only way we can truly examine ourselves prayerfully is to try to look at ourselves impartially. Try to look at ourselves as a friend would. Try to look at ourselves as someone who loves and cares about us. That's hard for us to do, but it's the only way we can examine ourselves, whether we be in the faith. We need to deal with ourselves. I, I've told that to so many people. You would know how to tell somebody in your family. You would know how to tell a friend what to do right now. Take that advice and do that. We have such a hard time. I read something here the other day that was amazing to me. The, the statistics for people that go to the doctor and the doctor says, okay, here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to take. Here's how it's going to all get better. The statistics of how many people actually follow that, those instructions take the meds the way they're supposed to, as long as they're supposed to, follow the doctor's orders, how much rest they ought to get, very low. Very low. They don't follow those instructions. I don't need all that. I don't want all that. And, and we don't do that. But you take those same people and take them to a vet. 
and the vet says, your dog needs this, 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 and this. And I'll tell you what, they are on a schedule. They know how to take better care of their dogs than they take care of themselves. They know how to take care of others, but they don't know how to take care of themselves. The only way we can truly do what the Bible says, examine ourselves, is if we look at ourselves as, hey, I can give myself the same advice I'd give a friend. And I know that maybe some of you feel like a lot of this is dealing with, hey, be be tough on yourself and understand, you know, your sin needs to be repented of. Yes, 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 but to talk to a friend that needs an altar, to talk to a friend that needs help, you know how to give them wisdom with grace and support and love, and you need to receive that for yourself. There's some of you in this house today that the devil knows that internal dialogue we talk about, that talking to yourself. You wouldn't talk to your friend like that. You wouldn't beat them up. That's a devil beating you up. Don't help the devil. If the devil's beating your friend up, you wouldn't get in there and say, come on, I'm on the devil's. I'm going to beat you up too. You wouldn't do that to somebody you care about. If you want them to be saved and you want them to make it, you don't want them to quit, you'd, you'd strengthen and support them, not lie to them. But you wouldn't allow, but you'd help them and get the devil off their back. When the devil's fighting you in your mind, you need to sit down and examine yourself in a way that you know how to receive the same kind of grace you know how to give. Your friend, I could sit there and tell you, maybe it's one of your children, maybe it's a good friend. I could sit there and say, they don't deserve God's love. You'd say, what? What kind of thing is that to say? Well, it's true, isn't it? Yeah, but. God loves them anyway. Yeah, but they messed up. They're, they're a mess, and they, don't, they deserve punishment. They deserve... Well, yeah, but don't you? Don't I? You wouldn't say that. You would look at me and say, Pastor, you've lost your mind. What has happened to cause you to be so harsh and so cold? But yeah, we allow those kind of thoughts to come into our minds about ourselves. The devil beats you up and says, you don't deserve God's love. You deserve God's punishment. You're, you're a failure. You don't let your, if your best friend or your family member or loved one, if it was a complete stranger saying, I'm a failure, you'd say, don't say that. Don't allow. You need to, when you examine yourself, you need to do it the same way you would help another soul that you care about. You sit down with them and say, yeah, you did. You messed up. You made a bad mistake. But there's a, there's a path back. God's got to give you mercy. Don't, don't take this lightly. Don't, just, don't just, just throw this opportunity out. But, but, but love God. And He's going to help you. He's going to bless you. You need to, to be that kind of help when you examine yourself. Now, I know. I've, I've been there, done that. And you say, well, I, I'm, if I'm going to make something, if I'm going to move forward like you're always preaching, preacher, I need to be hard on myself. I need to, I need to be harder on myself than I am on anybody else. Well, but not mean. Yeah, yeah, push yourself to the best. Push yourself to the best. Don't expect less than the best out of yourself. That's what a friend would do. A good friend wouldn't want you to slack. A good friend wouldn't want you to be lazy. A good friend wouldn't want you to accept mediocrity, but not be mean. Don't allow yourself to call yourself an idiot. Don't be unforgiving. The hardest, I've seen amazing, amazing just examples of forgiveness and mercy as a pastor. I've seen people done terribly wrong and just keep caring, keep loving and moving forward. But I've seen a lot more. You might not recognize it, but I sure do. People that won't forgive themselves, refuse to forgive themselves. Because, and then somehow they feel like, I'm just, just holding myself to a higher standard. You're holding yourself to a lower standard. To be unforgiving to someone isn't higher. To be mean to someone and not give them, extend to them mercy and grace is not a higher standard. That's not God's standard. That's the devil. Condemnation that you heap on yourself is not godly. Well, there's so many people we react because there's so many people that just justify themselves. Yeah, absolutely. But don't swerve off the side of the road into oncoming traffic by overcompensating and just being cruel and unforgiving to yourself. 
you don't want to justify yourself and be over in the ditch. But unforgiveness to yourself is like driving into oncoming traffic. It's just horrible. It's not godly. Push yourself for the best, but be realistic in that. You know what the Bible says in one place in Exodus, the 23rd chapter? See, when I look at the Bible, and if you hear me preach, it sounds a lot like what I'm getting ready to say, but you've you got to listen a little bit closer. In Exodus, God brought the children of Israel out of bondage, heading them to the promised land. He's talking about the promised land to them, talking about living a victorious Christian life. Exodus twenty three twenty nine says, <clears throat> I will not drive them out from before thine, thee in one year. Lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field multiply against thee. By little and little I will drive them out from before thee until thou in, be increased and inherit the land. I'm going to give you victory, but I'm going to do it in a process. Little by little, you're going to get victory. Little by little, you're going to do better. Can I tell you, that's the life of a child of God. You come to church and you tell yourself, this is what it means to be perfect. I'm not perfect. Boom. Uh, I'm, you're wrong. You're awful. You're, you're miserable. You're not saved. You're that reprobate he was talking about. No. Take a step in the process towards that mark of perfection. Keep growing. Keep, he's going to drive out your enemies little by little. Are you heading in the right direction? You wouldn't tell a child. You wouldn't tell a friend. You wouldn't tell somebody that, hey, if yesterday you're in, the, in a battle of your life and just you failed and you made mistakes and today you, you, you prayed and everything's right now, you're on top of the mountain and perfect, everything's fine. No. Take a step. Take another step today. Take a step in the right direction. Take a step towards victory. Overcome another battle just a little more and a little more. Amen. That's what you tell them. That's what you need to tell yourself. When you examine yourself, you need to ask yourself, am I heading in the right direction? Could I be doing more? Could I be doing better? Well, yeah, we'll keep doing more, keep doing better. Wisdom, grace, support. You need to step out. If you're going to examine yourself, you need to, you need to be honest. You don't need a bunch of yes men around you. You don't need to be your own justify yourself and, and everything I do is okay and I've never failed. No, own where you're at, but be a friend to yourself when you exa- and say, okay, here's what the next step is for me to climb higher and to be better. I'm not going to justify myself, but I'm not going to allow that internal dialogue of, of my self-examination to condemn me to never, never be in anything in God. You know what others should do. A friend is going to sharpen a friend. So when we examine ourselves, we need to step outside of ourselves and be that friend to ourselves. Be that one that looks impartially and says, yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's wrong. That's something. God's going to help you. This is what we do in prayer. This is where God steps in and, and, and speaks to us and says, this is, this is wrong. And then the devil says, see, you're wrong. No, no, no. This is wrong. I'm going to take a step toward the right. And I'm, going to, uh, I'm not listening to telling myself, see, it's hopeless because I've got something wrong. We all need to take steps in a better direction. We're all in the process. It's, it's, it's wrong. To let the devil bring condemnation to you when God's trying to show you something, say, "Well, this could be better." Oh, see, I'm not. I'm never going to make it. I'm so messed up. That's not what you tell your friend. You're so messed up. You're never going to make it. You wouldn't say that to somebody. Don't say that when you're examining yourself. This would be better. Yeah. Okay. We're going to start working on that. Come on. Let's start working on that. We're going to make it. Amen. Second Corinthians ten. Again, this was an attack on ministry, but uh, but we all need it. Paul's saying we can't do this as ministry. They were trying to size him up with other preachers and say, well, this person's more dynamic and this person has more power and fire. And Paul, you just so blah. <laughs> Seriously, that's, that's exactly what they're saying about him in so many words. But 2 Corinthians 10, he says, for verse 12, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. 
by, by they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. You can't look at somebody in a completely different situation and say they're doing better than I am. It's just not how you talk to a friend. You can't use that kind of comparison. I heard something years ago that I just thought was so good. I was listening to these tapes, and they, they were tapes. Um, and the man said, you know, you want to compare yourself to other people, and it always makes you feel so small, or it just doesn't work. And he said, I could take you and show you uh, five-year-olds, a billion of them that can do something that you can't do. And he said, there are a billion Chinese babies that speak fluent Chinese, and you can't do it. Does that make them better than you? Does that make you feel stupid? Because here's little kids that can do something that you can't do. You don't feel insignificant or insecure about that. You never had the opportunity that they had to learn Chinese and they don't know English, right? It's showing that sometimes we use these comparisons of one another and say, oh, you know what? Oh, they, they can do so much more and they're so much better. And that's not your goal or your situation. Don't compare yourself to Something that has nothing to do with you. Their family, their job, their, 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 their place in, in God's kingdom has nothing, nothing, nothing to do with who you are in God. You can't compare. You can't do that when you're, you've got to be the best you you can be. One of the things about, and, I, and I'm, I'm getting ready to stop here, but one of the things that's just horrible, one of the many things that is just very dangerous about what was once just Hollywood and, and all that they're flashing out, but now even more so with the social media and a lot of things that come across Facebook and Instagram and all that, these pictures that are just perfect. I heard something here uh, a while back. It was an old thing, but somebody was talking to somebody who was really big into, you know, posting the selfies and say they take, you know, thousands of these things and then, you know, pick the best one and put a filter on it, put it out there, and everybody says, oh, I'll never be like that. Well, they're not like that. You know, and you look at people that, that the guys are all, you know, jacked up with all their money. That, that has nothing to do with you. That's not your best. That, there's so much that has to do with just not only being fake, but just genetics. And You are you. Be the best you. And who can you compare you to that's fair? The only one that you can compare you to that's fair is you yesterday. Are you doing better than you were in heading in a right direction? Are you sinking down lower and becoming a worse version of you? God wants to help you be better. God wants to perfect you, the Bible says. Don't compare yourself with all of the things that are flashed in front of your eyes or other things that the devil tries to show you and says, look at what they're doing. Look what they have. No. That's not being your friend. That's not being examining yourself properly. When you examine yourself, you can say, wait a minute, forget about them. You don't know the whole story. You, you think everything looks perfect there. It's not perfect. You wouldn't trade your problems for theirs in a, ever, ever, ever. But what you would tell them and what you need to tell yourself is, let's just keep going in the right direction see what God does. Let's just keep on growing in God. Let's do what, what, what we can do best and, and see what God doors God opens up. Amen? Examine yourself. There's a lot of stuff that's bouncing around in our brains that, that really needs to be kicked out. A lot of things that, that pull us down rather than help us when we examine ourselves. When we examine ourselves, we can't look at ourselves with unforgiveness, with, with just an attitude that is mean and hopeless, but we've got to give ourselves a wisdom that we know right well how to give to others. I know you don't feel worthy of it, but none of us none of us are. Oh, I'm I'm less worthy than anybody else. Paul said that about himself and he said, I persecuted the church. I'm not worthy of any of this, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. God'll help you be what you need to be. You have to step out of yourself. You have to talk to yourself, examine yourself, deal with yourself like a friend, like a help, like a honestly not a friend's not going to just allow things to slip by and say, hey, yep, you think you're pretty awesome. I think you're awesome, too. 
you are awesome, but, but you need somebody to help you do better. Examining yourself is just that prayerfully. Can we bow our heads in prayer? Sister Katie, would you come on up and help us? When we pray, the Holy Ghost is going to help you be honest with yourself. When we pray, God's going to give you the wisdom that you need, not condemnation, not fear. Bible talks about no man hateth his own self, but he nourishes and cherishes himself. But so often we find ourselves in church just doing the opposite. Thinking that's God's will. No. Examining yourself, you've got to hold yourself to an honest standard. You've got to hold yourself to where you are in this process, in this journey. And you've got to be truthful with yourself, but not mean, not heartless, not unmerciful, not comparing yourself. God cares about you. He wants you saved. Nobody knows in this world how weak you are and how much you've failed like you do. But God does too. And can I tell you, a friend's going to help you get up again. A friend's going to help you be strong. A friend's going to be honest with you and say there's, there's more you could do. And you need to help yourself and look at yourself and be honest and say, you know, if I've been slacking, I need to do better. But I'm not going to beat myself up. I'm not going to help the devil do it. I'm going to be wise and start taking one step at a time. Sometimes you need that help. As I preached to you earlier, there's friends and family around you. God puts ministry in your life, a heart of a shepherd. That's not looking to destroy the flock, not looking to beat you down, but helping to pick you up and desiring the best from you. But the best is not an unattainable goal. The best is not something that makes you feel so discouraged because it's too high to reach. It's just another step in the right direction. Another step that's better, that's blessed. Can we stand, please? Praying for you, church. I'm praying for this body. That God will help us continue forward. To help us to have a right spirit inside ourselves. And it's got to start here. Your number one priority is your walk with God. More than anything else, you've got to be saved. And in that, examining yourself is so important. And I hope I help somebody today to understand what it means. The voice of condemnation is not self-examination. A voice that has no mercy or no grace is not self-examination. The same way the the voice of self-justification is not how we examine ourselves. But in love, but in mercy, we strengthen We build, we push towards another step in the process of getting what, being what we ought to be in God. Come on, let's find a place to pray. Let's reach out to God. Maybe there's someone you know, maybe there's a friend, maybe a coworker that needs to listen to this. Somebody that you think would be blessed by hearing the The truth of what God is wanting us to have going on in our minds and in our hearts. How to examine ourselves properly. Too many times there have been voices in our lives. It may have even been parents. It may have been those in our past that have just continuously put us down and beat us down, mocked and ridiculed and pointed out failures. No, no, no. Not, that's not wisdom. That's not a friend. 
Examine yourself properly. Not justifying yourself, but not condemning yourself, but pushing yourself forward one step at a time into God's best. Oh, do it, Lord. Prepare me. Prepare me to be a sanctuary. God's got a step for you that's better. It may just start with repentance. It may just start at an altar that says, God, forgive me for being a sinner. Forgive me for my failures. And He'll do it. Then you receive that mercy. You receive that grace and let Him help you do better. Help you move forward. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Sanctuary. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Lord, prepare me. Oh, I love you, Lord. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. Do it in me. God, help us. I want you to think about this. I want you to pray about it. I want you to listen to what's going on as you look at your own self, as you hear what's going on in your heart and mind, as you look at yourself and where am I in the in my life and where am I in, in God's will be honest but don't be cruel strengthen and let yourself know that you need to be moving in the right direction but don't beat yourself down you know how to do that you can do that to others you need to extend that to yourself as well I know God spoke to me. I know somebody here is going to be helped. What's going on in your heart and mind that's holding you back is some somehow you've got this idea that that you're doing right by just allowing the devil to beat you up. That's not God's best for you. That's not God's will. You look at those that just justify themselves. They feel like they're doing better than they've ever been done. And you know they're not doing well. And you say, I won't go that way. I won't be like that. Don't. Be a friend. Be wise. Don't just be the yes man to yourself and constantly justify yourself. But don't beat yourself up. That's not the only alternative. How about just pushing for better one day at a time? Put your heart into doing God's will. Just little by little, little by little, being your best today. You're going to find your best today is going to be better tomorrow and the next day. Little by little, you're going to see yourself grow. When you understand for yourself that process that you're in. Hallelujah. It doesn't need your condemnation. doesn't need your justification. just needs to keep being honest moving forward. Let's all stand. God, you're so good to us. I pray, Lord, that something that was said today would help somebody overcome the battle in their minds, God, that maybe people have placed on them unreal expectations. Insecure people have just beat them up. The devil has attacked them, but Lord, we're going to be our best. We're going to keep growing and be in, Lord, more in you, God. With your help, with your strength, God, we're going to be all that you've called us to be, God. Bless your people, I pray. God, help us, Lord, to shine the light to others. Bless the service tonight, God. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. God bless you. Pray for the service tonight. Pray for me.